Thank you for sharing the reading this morning for us. And just a uh, quick update before we begin. Uh, some of you may be aware that Jean Ulrichson, who is on the Honduras trip, her mother fell uh, just a couple days ago, I guess, and uh, fell, hurt herself seriously enough. She is in the hospital in Iowa City. Uh, as I understand, uh, Jean's sister is with her, but uh, why don't we just take a moment and pray for Jean and her mom at this time, shall we? Father, we do come to the throne of grace, recognizing you are sovereign and trusting into your care. Uh, Jean's mother, we just pray that you will guide the doctors, give them wisdom as to how best to treat her. We pray that she has suffered no serious or long-lasting uh, injuries from the fall she's taken. We also ask your peace for her as she trusts herself to you, but also for Jean. Uh, it's difficult, Lord, being so far away when your mother is in the hospital. We pray your presence with her right now, uh, along with the rest of the Honduras team, and ask that you give them your peace too. But we do pray your blessings here uh, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I am Craig Nelson. I'm one of the elders here at Lighthouse Community Church. Um, and I'm filling in for Pastor Kevin while he is on sabbatical for today. We have been in a series on uh, the book of Psalms, but before we get into that, I do want to uh, wish, give my best wishes to all the fathers out here. Uh, I, too, am a father and a grandfather for that matter, and I know as much as we enjoy being celebrated on the day, much more do we enjoy seeing the kids and the grandkids that we have and watching them grow and all the things they're going through. You know, I was telling uh, April before the service this morning, uh, as we were praying that it is nice that uh, we have fathers on earth, but that we have a perfect father in heaven. And I was thinking about that uh, as I was getting ready for my message today and thinking uh, what a perfect father he is, perfect in wisdom, perfect in knowledge, perfect in holiness, a perfect example for us, and even uh, a father who is not subject in his perfection. He doesn't do father jokes. No dad jokes. Although, as I study theology, I do run across some odd questions once in a while. Uh, I noticed one as I was working through uh, some stuff on the Holy Land for today uh, that God had posed a question. He had said, what do you call a religious tree in the Holy Land? Well, of course, it's a psalm tree. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> It is Father's Day. Dad's jokes are de rigor. All right, well, uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, get started here. We are looking at Psalm 121 today. This is a what they call a psalm of ascent. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are wondering, uh, lot, psalms come in all shapes and sizes and forms. We have royal psalms. We have uh, angry psalms. We have... Psalms of praise, psalms of thanks, psalms of worship. This is what's called the Psalm of Ascent. And there are actually 15 of them in the Bible. Uh, they go from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And we're not quite sure exactly what they were written for. Uh, the best guess is that these were psalms that were written for Jewish pilgrims as they would be on their way up from their villages to go to Jerusalem for one of the major festivals, uh, perhaps Passover, the Day of Atonement. But as they were going, they would 
recite these psalms, or better yet, they would sing them. And for uh, you and I, as we think about these things, when we think of going somewhere, excuse me, we think of, you know, going perhaps as a family or something. Um, when Jewish pilgrims left, literally the whole village would go. So Jesus in his day, uh, when it was time for the Passover, the whole village of Nazareth would uh, get up and they would get on the road, on the road to Jerusalem, and they would be singing these psalms to help them along the way. <clears throat> and they gave them courage, they gave them strength as they were going. And indeed, if you were to look in the book of Luke, you'll find a reference to Jesus coming up in one of these caravans uh, to Passover when he was 12 years old. It talks about how uh, they got here. It's the famous story of how Jesus went to the temple because he had to be in his father's house. And literally when his parents left, they got a day out of Jerusalem before they realized he wasn't with the crowd. They thought he was with family or with other relatives, and then they had to turn around and go back. So you see, these psalms did serve a purpose. There was a reason for them. And the one we're looking at today uh, starts out, uh, it starts out, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? You might ask yourself, why are they looking up to the hills? What's, what's going on here? And the answer, as we start out, is simple. They're looking up to the hills because Jerusalem sits above everything else in all of Israel. No matter where you're coming from, you have to go uphill to get to Jerusalem. Some of the hills are fairly easy. Most of them are not. And uh, in fact, I'm going to have Leonard, if he's got my slide up there, I want to show you a picture of what the path from Jericho to Jerusalem looked like. You can see it right there. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, heading off on the path to Jer from uh, Jericho to Jerusalem. We tend to think of a road, sort of like we have, something that would be fairly broad, a lot of people kind of moving up it, a lot of space. It's not. It's narrow. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go, go on. But that's why we get to the first part of the message today. When you're on a journey to the Lord, as they would have been, where should your focus be? Where should my focus be? And should I be looking, is the first question, at the path? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? So if you're in Jericho and you are getting ready for the last day of the trip up to Jerusalem and you get up in the morning and you look and you see the mountain that's ahead of you and you're remembering that path is pretty narrow and you're saying, it's a long trip. How am I going to make it up that? And you're looking at that hill and your focus is on the path. Your focus is on the hill. And that's when the question comes, where's my help going to come from? The hill's not going to do me any good. There's not anything on the path that is going to help me along the way. But our psalmist is wise enough to know the answer. And he starts out the psalm with, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And just to give you a thought, when you're looking at that hill and that path, when you think of how narrow it is and how steep it is, and the word comes to mind, I don't look to the hill. I look to the creator of the hill. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The hill that's in front of me, 
is steep. But I know the one that made the hill. And that's where I'm going to look for my help and for my aid. When you're sitting in Jericho, you're 850 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is 18 miles away, and it's a half a mile above sea level. You're going to climb 3,600 feet, quite literally, straight up. Those of you who have uh, been to Yosemite or you've seen El Capitan, how straight that is, that's still 600 feet less than the road from Jerusalem or from Jericho to Jerusalem. That's why he's looking at, that's why he's wondering, where is my help coming from? And that's why he's saying, it has to come from the Lord. I want to look to the creator of the path. And it says something to us too. We may not be on a physical journey, a physical spiritual journey to the Lord. We may not be headed from our house or our place to Jerusalem or on a narrow path to church but we're all on a spiritual journey. And that's what this psalm is aimed at, the spiritual journey each one of us is on. It's Father's Day today. One of the spiritual journeys here is for fathers, and that's the raising of the children that God has given to us. That's a journey. It starts when they're born, but even when they're adults, we still worry about them. We still think about them. We still parent them to some extent. God is working through us. God is our father. We look to him to see the picture of a perfect father. We do our best to emulate it. But I want you to see it's a journey. It's not one step along the way. It's not a destination. Mothers, it's the same way. You're on a spiritual journey with your children and with your families and raising them. There are other spiritual journeys. Each one of us who knows Christ as our Savior, every one of us is on a spiritual journey as we walk through this life. And it's the journey of becoming more Christ-like. It's the journey God calls us to when he calls us to salvation. He says, this is a starting point, not the end. Salvation begins here, but your path continues from here. You grow, you become sanctified is the biblical term that we use. As we grow in the knowledge of God, we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We grow in the knowledge of how do I love my neighbor? Not just do I love him. We learn as we're on the path. How do I learn to love not my neighbor, but my enemy? How do I become more Christ-like? Each one of you here, you are on a spiritual journey. And if you're focusing on the path, that narrow path we looked at, if you're getting up in the morning and you're focusing on the mountain and the difficulties that may lie ahead, the struggle you're having with your teenager, the worry that you have for your job at work, your own prayer life, and how close you're walking with the Lord. As you're focusing on the difficulties, as you're focusing on the mountain, you're forgetting you know the creator of the mountain. You know the one who not only made the path, you're focusing, uh, you want to focus on the one who put you on the path as you walk it, because that's where you're going to find the road. I had that uh, slide up there of what it looked like on the path from Jericho to Jerusalem, because I want you to see exactly how narrow it is. People are walking one and two, maybe, and it's pretty steep off there. This is not a path that they were walking 
that was just sort of one giant avenue leading straight up to Jerusalem. It was a tough, hard, high walk through dangerous territory. The name for the path, because the path from Jericho to Jerusalem has a name, is the way of blood. And the reason it's called the way of blood is not just because people would have accidents up there, but because as you look, you see all the hiding places for robbers? A lot of robbers would be up there. And so it's a dangerous path. And if you want an idea of what I'm talking about, turn to your Bibles just for a second here. Turn to your Bibles to the book, uh, let's see here. Well, turn. Uh, I was going to say to the book of Luke, but the story I'm, re- I'm referring to is the story of the Good Samaritan. When you think about the story of the Good Samaritan, you hear how the Samaritan uh, was walking on the road and there was a Jew who had been walking on the road and he had been attacked by robbers and had been left and had, people had passed him by, a priest and a Levite. And you think to yourself, well, okay, it's like the priest and the Levite are walking down and they cross the street, just go by on the other side. The priest and the Levite are walking on that same path. They're walking on that narrow path. When it talks about them going by on the other side, it means roughly getting two feet over so that they can get by him. And as you read the story a little further and you think about the Good Samaritan, as he's on the path, again, look at the path. And what do you do when you see a wounded person, somebody who's been injured? by bandits. How do you get him off the path? That's a long stride, a long hill. And he's wounded, and you have to carry him. That's the story of the Good Samaritan going up that path. And I want you to see that because that is emblematic of the path that you and I are walking, the spiritual path we walk. As I said, it's not an easy one. What does it say in Scripture? The way of sin is broad, but the gate is narrow that we pass through. The path is narrow that we pass through. But our psalmist knows this. He understands where where he's coming from. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And when he announces that to us, he's not just content to say, look to God, because that's what we do want to do. We want to look to him. We want to know he's the creator. But he also says this. He tells us that when you're on a journey to the Lord, you should be looking to the creator of the path to watch over you. That's our, first, our second point there. And the reason, he'll guard your movement. What does he say? He will not let your foot be moved. He will guard the movement of you as you're walking along the path. It means he's watching over. You know, when it says there that, uh, he will not let your foot be moved. It means he's watching. God is watching you. He's watching every step you take. He's watching every place you put your foot. He's watching every step you take along the path, and he's keeping you on the path. He's keeping you protected. He's taking care of you. So when you're looking to the creator of the path, you want to remember that He's watching over you as you walk the path. As you walk the path, 
of becoming more Christ-like. He's watching over you to guide you in that. As you walk the path of raising children, he's guiding you down that path. He's watching the steps that you're taking. And it doesn't mean you're not going to slip a little bit or stumble or make mistakes, but it does mean he's going to be there and he's going to be watching you and he's going to be making sure you keep on the right path. You keep moving in the right direction. He's going to be there with you to help you through, to get you where you need to be. And not only that, but he's going to be there watching over you all the time. What does our psalmist say in verse 4? Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. He who keeps you will not slumber. We tell a story that uh, one of the people that was around Alexander uh, the Great came up to him one day and just asked him, Alexander, how do you sleep so well at night? And he says, because Petronius is on guard. He slept that night. He slumbered because he knew his guard who loved him was watching him, protecting him, keeping an eye out for him. You can sleep at night. You can walk the path that God has put you on, the spiritual path that may seem so difficult. You can walk that path knowing that somebody is watching over you, and they're not just watching over you by day. They're watching over you by day and by night. God the Father is up there, loving Father that he is, watching his beloved child, you, as you go down that path, watching your foot. He's watching what's happening to you and where you're going and what direction you are. You can sleep peacefully at night knowing that he's there, that you're not going on the pathway all by yourself. You're not going alone. But that brings us then to the second point, and that is this. When I'm on a journey to the Lord, I should be looking to the creator of the path to protect me physically. He says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He's there. He's watching you all the time. He is protecting you, and he is putting a shield over you. What does it say? The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And when it talks about your shade, it's talking about him being the block of the sun, if you will, physically, but also that he is keeping you in, your, in his sight. He is the shade. He's behind you, keeping the sun, keeping the worries, all of those things off of you. He's taking care of you as he's doing that. He's protecting you physically, and he also, it tells us that the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. It's kind of interesting, as I was reading through and uh, studying this, that uh, in the Middle East, like we're at, or like Jesus would have been, or the psalmist would have been, that the sun is always what we know is the big worry. You know, you want to be in the shade, you want to make sure that uh, you know, your clothes keep you off, keep the sun off of you, you're not getting get sunburned, and that you're not looking at the sun. But what it's interesting 
is that a number of people have said that not only do you worry about the sun, but you worry about the moon. Because the moon and the sky in the Mideast, because it's so clear so often, is so bright that quite literally, if you're sleeping in the moonlight with your face to the moon, you can actually damage your eyes. They have to be careful about doing that. The reason he puts this in here is not just a metaphor. The sun won't strike you by day nor the moon by night because he is your shade. And again, when we're walking that spiritual path that we're on, he's the shade for us. He's the one that keeps that sun off of us, that moon off of us. He's the one that keeps us and watches over us. And then also this, when I'm on a journey to the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, I should be looking to the creator of the path to protect me, not just physically, but to protect me spiritually. What does it say? Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this day forth and forevermore. I mentioned earlier that path from Jericho to Jerusalem that the pilgrims would walk was known as the way of blood because of the bandits that were on there. And so if you're looking to the Lord, he's the one that will keep you from all evil. The path you're on, the Lord will hedge you about from evil as you are walking your path. And I would put this one caveat in there, though, that we can always stray off that path. We can always find our way to evil if we want to, if we choose to. Anybody could have gotten off the path from Jericho to Jerusalem. They could have gone a different direction. Or they could have gone by themselves when it was unsafe. They could have gone any number of ways. They could have chosen not to do what they knew was safe and thus put themselves in more danger and be responsible then for what happens to them. But the Lord tells us if we're on his path, if we're walking his path, he will keep us from evil. He will protect us from it. It may be around us. It may come upon us. But he will protect as we walk the path. And not only is he going to do that, but he's going to walk with us the whole way. That path is 18 miles long. You walk. It might take a half a day, maybe a little longer, to get from Jericho up to Jerusalem. But the path will get you to Jerusalem. God will watch over you as long as you're on the path. And he has it laid out for you. What does Paul tell us in Philippians? He who has begun a good work in you will see it through to completion. He who has set you on the path will walk with you and watch over you and protect you and will see you through to the end of the path. Because that's what he's saying here. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth, from right now to forevermore, to eternity. You will walk the path to the end that spiritual path. You'll reach the destination that he has waiting for you. You have the promise of his presence, but you have the promise of the end of the journey. And not just the end of the journey, but where does that journey end? When those pilgrims would get up in Jericho in the morning, they knew that in the afternoon they would be standing in the awe in the precincts of the temple. They would be leaving a dusty river town 
deep below, uh, the, deep below sea level with its hot, salt, aridness. And they would be going up that path. And when they reached the end of that path, they'd be standing in Jerusalem. They would come over the Mount of Olives. And they would come to the temple. And they would see the Holy of Holies where it was. They would see the courtyard. They would see the priests. They would see the people. They would see the offerings being made to God. They would see God being worshipped. And not just being worshipped, but they would be worshipping with everyone around them. They would be worshiping with the people that came with them from their village, and they would be worshiping with the rest of the people of Israel who were there also. They would be standing in the presence of the living God and worshiping, and they would be reminded of that with all that was going on. As you're walking the path, that's also one of the keys here. Walk the path knowing the destination. Walk the path knowing that where you're going is far better than where you left, than where you started from. That it ends in perfection. It ends in the presence of the Lord. It ends standing in front of him. It's interesting. Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd, that he is the one that watches over us. And he also tells us that his sheep know his name. And we do. We hear his voice as we walk the path. But one of the things he tells us also is that all the sheep that God has given him, he will keep. There is none that can snatch them from his hand. Walk the path. It's a hard path. It can be narrow. It can be rocky. It can be difficult and long. But walk it knowing the destination and walk it knowing that Jesus walks with you. And I would also suggest this. That this morning um, I'm preaching and I know many of you know Christ as your Savior. But there may be those here this morning that do not know Christ. And I would say to you, you too are on a spiritual journey. You may not realize it. You may not understand it but you're on a spiritual journey. But the problem is, is that you're blind to the path. You are blind to where you're going. And you're blind to what the destination is. This is the time to hear what the psalmist is saying. Look to where you're at. Look to what's around you and know that your help also can come from the Lord. That you have only to call on him to seek his face, and he will answer. He will come to you, and he will draw you to you. He will take your life, and he will put you on a path, but it's a path that ends in glory. He will take your life, and he will set your feet and move you in the direction you need to go, and he'll go with you every step of the way that he calls you. But the thing is, it starts with calling on him. It starts with asking for him, knowing that you can't walk the path alone, recognizing that he's there to lead you down the path, and he wants to do that. So I encourage you this morning, as you think about what we've said, as we think about whatever path you may be on in your life now, how hard it may be, 
that there is one who will walk it with you. There's one who will straighten it. There's one who will take you to where you need to be, where you're going, and where you want to go. So I encourage you this morning, think seriously about what path you're on. Seems to me like two weeks ago, we were talking about Psalm 1, and we were talking about the gateway and the path, and we come back again in Psalm 121. We're on the path that we talked about in Psalm 1, and we're through the gateway, and we're walking it, and we know who's going with us. Come join us if you don't know Christ as Savior. Come join us in the pilgrimage. Come join us as we leave with the goal in mind of coming to the destination of being with God for eternity. We want you in that pilgrimage. We want you in that throng. Remember how I said the whole village would leave when they were going down and they would go singing. Come join us as we go. Come sing with us as we reach to go to the Lord. Come join us on the path and come join us on the pilgrimage. Let me close with prayer, shall I? Father, we do come now again to the throne of grace. I would pray, Lord, that each one of us, knowing the path we're on, now looks to you to lead us, to walk with us, to protect us on that path. Show us, Lord, that no matter how steep, how hard, how difficult the path is, that you're with us and that, Lord, it ends at your feet and at your throne. In Jesus' name, amen.